0: Hello friends, Bill Creasy here with the reboot of Scripture Uncovered. You know, we're living in a very strange time right now, and just as we were to close our seven-year in-depth verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible, COVID-19 hit. I taught my last live class on Tuesday evening, March 10th, and on Friday morning, March 13th, Ironically, Friday the 13th, all of our churches and parishes closed indefinitely. We didn't get to say goodbye to each other after almost seven years together. It's doubtful that we'll have a graduation and grand banquet as we always do at the end of our seven-year program. And who knows if we'll be traveling together on teaching tours anytime soon. We're isolated and locked down. I gave a talk at the beginning of Lent at the Mission San Diego de Alcala, and I was asked at the end of the talk, well, Bill, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, as it turns out, pretty much everything. Now, many of you have been with me in classes and on teaching tours for more than 25 years. We've formed lasting friendships and we have a strong sense of community. In these very trying times, I want to nurture that and keep us all together. The Lord said, where two or three gather in my name, I'm there with them. Well, now more than ever we need him with us. So, on Monday, June 1st, I'm going to reboot Scripture Uncovered. My goal is to bring us all together around Scripture and form the kind of community that we have in class— personal, friendly, caring, and compassionate. We'll have a new 20 to 25-minute podcast three times each week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We'll begin by exploring personalities in Scripture, major ones like Jesus, Peter, and Paul, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Saul, David, and Solomon. And we'll explore the women of the Bible, too. Personalities like Sarah, Rebecca, and Bathsheba, Jesus' mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Lydia, and many others. These will be lessons taught with plenty of stories, personal reflection, and application. And I'm just going to wing it, like I did in the good old days. My goal is to nurture our Logos community and have fun together in these very difficult times. So let's get ready. It's free, and I look forward to being with you three days each week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, just like being back on campus. So welcome to the reboot of Scripture Uncovered. Ten days ago, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he spent 40 days with his disciples, now apostles, and he taught them what they needed to know to take the gospel message out to the world. 40 days. Imagine a 40-day seminar with the risen and glorified Christ. And then, after the 40 days, from the Mount of Olives, He ascended into heaven. Let me read the story to you from Acts chapter 1. Now Luke, the author of the gospel according to Luke, also writes Acts. And he begins, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. People from all over saw him. In fact, Paul tells us that at one time, more than 500 people at the same time had seen him. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice how from Jerusalem, concentric circles go out like a rock thrown into a pond out to the whole world. Now, after he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they asked, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the very same way that you've seen him go into heaven. I like that. You know, we've been to Jerusalem many times on teaching tours, and we begin in Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives, right at the very top, walking down the Palm Sunday road that Jesus took when he entered Jerusalem. But I always think about that. Here we are standing at the top of the Mount of Olives, and I like to imagine that One day while we're there, suddenly the Lord will descend right to that very spot and we may be there to witness it. I think that would be fabulous. But he ascended into heaven. It's not that he left us. No, he ascended into heaven. And Mark tells us he was seated at the right hand of the Father, which means that the Father delegated authority and power to him to manage the birth of the church and the course of the church all throughout history. Bishop Robert Barron of Word on Fire Ministries preached a fabulous homily on Ascension Sunday. It was really good. Go on the website, his website, Word on Fire, and you can listen to that homily. Just absolutely excellent. But In that homily, he said, we, walking around here on earth, we're locked into time and place. We're temporary beings in a limited world. We can't be two places at one time. We can't exit this world and step out into eternity on our own. But God is timeless. God is not limited to time and time and place. God is everywhere, always, all at one time. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, he leaves this dimension of reality and steps into the eternal dimension of reality from which he had come. And seated at the right hand of the Father, like a military commander, he's overseeing the operations of the church. Now, he ascends into heaven, the apostles are told to wait and they do for 10 days and then we read in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place so from the Ascension to Pentecost 10 days Pentecost which we celebrated this past Sunday they were all together and suddenly And when they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. I think that's fabulous. Listen to this, friends. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? on the Feast of Pentecost, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, three pilgrimage festivals for Jews. Anyone who could, who was able, would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles as one people. So in Jerusalem on Pentecost of AD 32, the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, there were people in Jerusalem, Jews in Jerusalem, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, all these people with all these different languages and customs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, So they're not speaking a a kind of gibberish in in a foreign language. They're speaking intelligibly in those other languages. But as they speak, each person hears what they're saying in their own language. You know, I, I struggled with language in college and graduate school. And oh my gosh. I I took French as an undergraduate and I had a hard time with it. And if you've ever taken two years of a language in college, every Friday you have a quiz. And I would dread those quizzes. And I would walk from the library to class on a Friday morning and just dreading the quiz. And I thought, oh, if only I could just Speak French fluently. Well, that never happened for sure. But we had in the library a librarian who was head of the foreign language catalog department who spoke 18 different languages. And I remember seeing him at the library. And he was a, a small man with round, thick glasses. His name was Jean. I don't recall his last name. But I remember saying to him, Jean, How in the world did you learn 18 languages? And he looked over the top of his glasses at me, and he said, the sweat of the brow, my boy, the sweat of the brow. Well, the apostles are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. They speak, I presume, in their language, Aramaic. But all these people from all over the Roman Empire heard them in their own language. Oh. If only I could have spoken in English, and the teacher heard me in French. Well, amazed, they said, "What does all this mean?" Some, however, made fun of them and said, "Ah, they're drunk. They've had too much wine." Huh? They're drunk. They had too much wine. No, maybe it was five in the afternoon, but not early in the morning. But then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice, and addressed the crowd." So Peter is now at the southern steps of the temple platform in Jerusalem. I've taught on those very steps many times. And as I stood on the steps, looking at the southern wall of the temple complex, and my fellow travelers were seated before me on the steps, looking to the right, I could see the Mount of Olives, not very far away, a 10-15 minute walk. Peter addressed the crowd, Follow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, Uh, five in the afternoon, maybe nine. No. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood red before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter continues, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now think about that for a moment. If we were at the beginning of Lent, the talk I gave at Mission San Diego del Cala, God himself, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, stepped into our world, was limited by time and place. God came into this world, and we killed him. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me because He as at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So brothers, says Peter, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is right here in Jerusalem to this very day. We have visited the tomb of David when we're in Jerusalem. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of the fact. Notice again, the fact. No one could deny the resurrection of Christ, in the first generation of the church. He appeared to Peter and John and Andrew, all of the disciples on multiple occasions. Paul tells us, as I noted, that over 500 people at one time witnessed him. The resurrection is a fact. So exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, this fact. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God stepped into the world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God entered our world, and we killed him. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That would be you and me. For all whom the Lord our God will call. The very fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you are called. But with many other words... He warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now get this. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They were baptized. People from all over were in Jerusalem and about 3,000 were baptized and saved. Now, you might say, where were they baptized? Where would you get enough water to baptize all those people? But right there at the southern steps of the temple platform, as I'm facing you seated on the steps with the Mount of Olives off to the right, behind me were hundreds of mikvah, Ritual immersion pools. Because when all these people came to Jerusalem to be at the temple, they went through a ritual immersion in a mikvah. There was plenty of water right there at the southern steps. And about 3,000 were saved. This day, Pentecost, A.D. 32, marks the birth of the church as a covenant community under grace. Now pause there for a moment and turn back with me now to Exodus chapter 32. After the Exodus at Mount Sinai, Moses ascends the mountain and he spends 40 days on that mountain. Much like Jesus spends 40 days with the apostles teaching them what they need to know to get the gospel out to the world. But we read in Exodus 32, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this guy Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't have a clue what happened to him. Aaron, Moses' brother, answered, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Now how many people were there? We read in numbers when they were counted up, 603,550 men between 20 and 50. Equal number of women plus older people and younger people, children, and you have a population of about 2 million people. So they handed all this jewelry to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. So he made the golden calf. Now, the people aren't bowing down to a little image of a calf. The image of the calf represents the Egyptian goddess Hathor, the nurturing mother goddess of Egypt, who's often pictured as a cow with an infant pharaoh suckling from her. And not coincidentally, her main center of worship was in the southern Sinai Peninsula, right where the people are at Mount Sinai. Well, Aaron made it into a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. We need a really powerful, nurturing mother goddess to help us with this, because we don't know what happened to Moses, and we haven't heard a peep Out of this God on Mount Sinai. Well, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings, and afterward they sat down to eat and drink, and they got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bow down to it and sacrifice to it. And have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. "I, I have seen these people, said the Lord to Moses. And they are a stiff necked people. Now leave me alone so my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them, and I will make you into a great nation. I'm going to wipe them all out, and we can start over with you. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and might? Don't blame that on me. I didn't bring them out of Egypt. You did. And you have them here, and they're worshiping this golden calf, and this is your fault. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out and and killed them on the mountain and wiped them off the face of the earth? No, turn your fierce anger. Relent. Do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Well, then the Lord relented and he did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. So Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, the Ten Commandments, the law. They were inscribed on the, both sides front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Well, when Joshua, Moses' lieutenant, who accompanies him in the last steps down the mountain, when Joshua heard the people shouting and singing and dancing, this must be war in the camp. And Moses said, no, no, it's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. They're having a big party down there. So when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. He threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made them drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? What were you thinking? Oh, don't be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for Moses, we don't have any idea what happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. They gave it to me, the gold. I threw it into the fire and out popped a calf. That is the lamest excuse I ever heard. We were just told that he fashioned it with a tool. Oh, I threw it in the fire, out came a calf. Well, Moses was not amused. When Moses saw that people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and become a laughingstock, he stood at the entrance of the camp and he said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites, his tribe, came to him and he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. Wow. The Levites did as Moses commanded. And listen to this, friends. That day, about 3,000 of the people died. When Moses came down off the mountain with the tablets of the Ten Commandments, That was the birth of Israel as a covenant community under law. And that day, 3,000 died. The Feast of Pentecost remembers the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. In Pentecost, A.D. 32, when Peter preached his sermon, when the Holy Spirit arrived and Peter preached his sermon, 3,000 were saved. That Pentecost, A.D. 32, marked the birth of the church as a covenant community under grace. Did you get that? The first Pentecost, with Moses coming off the mountain, the birth of Israel as a covenant community under law, and 3,000 people died. A.D. 32, the birth of the church as a covenant community under grace, and 3,000 people were saved. That is a fabulous parallel in Scripture. So hey, I hope you enjoy the reboot here of Scripture Uncovered. Uh, I'll be back again on Wednesday, two more days and off we go again. And I want to pick up there and really explore Jesus himself. You know, we saw the Ascension here, we saw Pentecost, and we saw the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Today, this very day, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, the commanding officer, if you will, overseeing the battlefield. But who was he? When he was here, let's spend some time together exploring who Jesus is as we encounter him in Scripture. So thank you for joining me, and I'll see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye now.